God bless you. This is Pastor Paul from the Way Family Church. We welcome you to our podcast, Keeping It Real. Uh, we want to invite you to tune into this uh, podcast uh, any chance you get. Every week, we're going to be re uh, putting up new new teachings, new questions, new, new answers. We also want to encourage you to uh, watch us live on Facebook and, and interact there. You can put up questions there as well. So we are going to be doing this, answering your questions. So be thinking uh, of good Bible questions. Maybe there's something that you've, that you've never been able to get answered. Uh, I may not be able to answer it, but we will try our best or point you to someone that can. So just to let you know that, that we have this broadcast and we want you to tune in and let everybody know that we're here. Keeping it real. God bless you. Hello everyone, this is Pastor Paul again with the Way Family Church in Medford and we're so glad that you are watching. I want you to encourage you to uh, call your friends or any uh, believer, friend of yours that might be interested in knowing how they can en enhance and develop their prayer life and experience uh, a, a, an encounter with God, a, a growth in their Christian walk, a, about a breakthrough. Anybody that you know needs a breakthrough, give them a call and tell them to watch this program. They can actually hit the share button down in the, the bottom right hand corner and start a watch party. There you go. And everybody that tunes into your Facebook on your feed will be able to pick up this live broadcast. So share away. Amen. Well, speaking about sharing, let's share with the Lord and let's open up in a word of prayer, okay? Father, we welcome your Holy Spirit. We ask that you help us. We ask that you would speak. We ask that you would encourage. Uh, right now, we take authority and dominion over every distraction, any, any kind of interference. In Jesus' name, we ask God that you just bless this time. Amen. Praise God. Well, praise the Lord. This, again, uh, we are talking on the subject of prayer. Our first... Uh, when we started this topic, it was Luke 18, 1, because we we're talking about how important prayer is. It, plain and simple, if you want to still be a believer all your life and not get detoured, you're going to have to develop a prayer life. Uh, sometimes we have um, Christians that, that are, um, think of the word, uh, they just go from, from drama to, to, to drama. There's always the way that they talk, it's almost like, Every, every problem happens to them and uh, it, it's, it's to me it's a little prideful because why would somebody be so selfish to think that everything's happening to them it's just it's just a mentality that's not to say that we don't care and actually that's why we're we're doing this this program so that we can encourage people to say hey you know what's your what's your prayer life like you know because if you're if you're not praying the way that you should, then then the enemy is going to come in and he's going to sabotage your life. We we basically give Satan you know the the sledgehammer over our lives if we do not have a prayer life. Our prayer life is what uh, sets us up <laughs> to walk um, the kind of Christian walk that we should have. What kind of Christian walk should we have? 
Well, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and it might have it more abundantly. So that means the Amplified says, enjoy life to the fullest until it overflows. The balance to that is, is uh, the last verse in John chapter, um, was it 16? He said, or 14, he said, in the world, you're going to have tribulation. So we're not saying that, that, that if you pray, you're not going to have tribulation. Uh, no, you're going you're gonna to have tribulation no matter what. Why? Because we're in the world, and this is Satan's territory. And if you're a believer, that makes you a prime target, which is all the reason more why you should pray. So what kind of Christian walk should the believer, should we have? Well, we should have a walk in which it replicates the design that, that God um, had in mind all along. What is that? Some, somebody would ask Pastor Paul, what, 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 what does it look like? Well, since you asked, let's go. I want to read a verse just, just to show you the kind of walk that we should have, that the way the Lord designed it. And um, this does not include or does not just center around um, going to church. For some reason, we've made the epitome of, of Christianity. Thanks, Mr. Ryan. Yep. Uh, of going to church, like we've done our duty because we've gone to church, and we put our life in, in a, a compartment in which we've got our regular life. This, this is the life I live. I go to work five days a week. I'm married, take care of my kids, got a job, all that. And then over here on Sunday, I got church, and that's not the way. It's not supposed to be put in those compartments uh, we are this is this is a lifestyle that's the only way it will work it is a lifestyle and so <clears throat> that's something that we have to have to understand another thing that that we need to to block out of our minds uh, before I read that verse I'm going to shoot on over here to read another verse we talked about this actually bouncing off this program uh, last week, another thing that we got to get out of our minds because, again, we, what did we say? We're, we, we put our Christian walk, you know, we have our secular everyday walk, you know, our job with our kids, and then we have our church day if, if we make it to church. And we're saying that it's a lifestyle. This is an everyday walk. Another thing that people have in their minds is that, well, you know, uh, I got my weaknesses, I got my flaws, you know, God knows my heart and I love him and yeah, I got a temper and yeah, I, you know, um, you know, I might sleep around, not me, but I'm just saying, um, uh, who, whoever might be coming up with, with an excuse or, or whatever the case might be, and we make excuses. Whatever you and I make an excuse for, we can never be delivered from. Our life will not get better if we make excuses. So we got to own up to things. Now, people think that, well, everybody, everybody sins. Well, non-believers might sin, but Christianity is designed that we don't sin. Now, I don't know, honestly, if, if I sin today. If I did, it, I don't know about it. I'm not saying that I don't sin, but I will say this that I do not sin on purpose. I don't sin on purpose. And this walk is designed that we would, would live above sin, live above the flesh, live above uh, the world, and live above the attacks of Satan and all the traffic 
that is in our minds, we can live above that. You know, the Bible says that the thought of foolishness is sin. So how easy it, it, is it to sin? Well, think about, think about Jesus for a moment. He never sinned. That means he never thought a foolish thought because Proverbs says the thought of foolishness is sin. We should not entertain foolishness. We shouldn't think about sin. But I want to read this verse to you in regards to um, what kind of what's Christianity supposed to look like, which is the precursor to why we should have a, a, a prayer life. 1 John 5.18 says, We know that whosoever is born of God does not sin. Now, does not practice sin as a, as, as a, as a you know, sinning every now and then. This doesn't say that. This says, whoever is born of God sins not. So it is possible that uh, another verse is 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. He who says he abides in God ought to, uh, ought to walk even as Jesus walked. So the Father expects you to walk just like Jesus. What am I doing? I'm, I'm, you could say I'm raising the bar, but I think I'm not really raising the bar. It's been that way all along. We have just, our mentality is, is of such, well, I could never be like Jesus. Well, what do you think being a believer is? We are programmed, our DNA is that, is, is the same nature of Jesus. We've got the same Holy Spirit. We've got the same uh, Bible to follow. And uh, I want to read to you a verse. What is Christianity? What's it supposed to look like? What are you designed to do? Genesis 1:26. God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. Think about that. You and I are made in God's image. Think about a camera and how it takes pictures and image. You are made in his image and in his likeness, which qualifies you to live the kind of life since you're, since you're made in his image and in his likeness and you've been born again with, with the Spirit of God, that qualifies you then to live the way Jesus empowered us to live in the way he expects us to live. After our likeness and let them have dominion. Husbands, you're supposed to have dominion over your families. Not, not ruling over them, not domineering over them, but have dominion. That little, that, or, or single moms, you're supposed to have dominion over, or single dads. You're supposed to, you're, that's, that's where you, that's, that's your garden of Eden. And God would not give you a garden if he didn't give you the authority to be in that garden and the authority to keep that garden safe from any intruder. To tend the garden. To tend the garden. Take care of it. So it says, let them have, now notice these words. Uh, in my, got my, I got my uh, Bible color coded. Let them have dominion, and then the word over. Dominion over. Dominion over. So that means that nothing should have dominion over me. 
Cigarettes shouldn't have dominion over me. Alcohol shouldn't have dominion over me. Sex shouldn't have dominion over me. None of the, and the reason why I'm saying this is because these are people things. These, these, and uh, these are, are the things that cause conflict in our lives because we weren't designed to live that way. This is the original plan that God had in mind when he created the human race. When Adam fell, we lost the ability to have dominion over, but when we got born again, God reignited your spirit, gave you life, gave you a brand new beginning, and now we can, and I'm not even going to, if I stay on this verse, we're not going to talk about anything else, so I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna go get out of this verse because it's so loaded, but you get the point. Have dominion over, okay? And I, I think this ties into uh, Patricia's question knowing what it is and how we overcome it knowing what those excuses are and what those things that hold us back and being able to overcome those i think that's what prayer is good for yes is, is to be able to overcome that exactly and that that's what and that's what we're saying and we're just re- reviewing that men ought always to pray and not give into the weakness give in to the addiction. See, every failure in our Christian walk can be traced to prayer. Period. If in and it's not it's not that we have to pray harder, it's not necessarily that we have to pray longer, we just need to learn how to pray. And we'll talk about that in in in, in the coming up days. Last week we talked about why is it important to pray and we talked about 1 Timothy 4.1 where it says now the spirit says emphatically or expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. Can you imagine knowing God, knowing peace, knowing Jesus and then leaving that? Man. That's why I never understood with the disciples. Like they were with him all, all the time. Like from his ministry, like as soon as they packed up their stuff and went with him, and then they disappear. Like, like especially after the crucifixion, they're gone. Like all of them, all of them are gone. And I just, I never understood that. It's like, how could you, how could you believe in somebody for three years and then like, nope, I'm out. Yeah. It, it just, it just astounds me. That, that that's that's a good observation and plus they got they they saw miracles they they got to do miracles right all these things but i can tell you one reason that you can be traced back to their prayer life and something else which is a different topic altogether was that um they had to learn a lesson and the lesson was this that you can, even being with Jesus is not enough if you're still going to try to live out your Christian walk in your own strength. Is that is that kind of why when they were in the Garden of Gethsemane that they couldn't even stay awake for an hour? He was like, you guys couldn't even stay awake for an hour and pray. I'm like, if Jesus is asking you to pray for an hour, you should be able to do that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> On the other side of that, when they came to arrest Jesus, Jesus said, 
I don't remember the the precursor to the to what I'm about to quote, but he said, um, um, I he said something like, you know, I can call, you know, these late oh, legions. Oh, it was uh, when dude cut off his ear. It may have been. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure. But he he said this. He said, "This is your hour, though." Right. And the power of darkness. Mm. So that means that there was a whole lot of demonic. And I think the the disciples came under that. They were overwhelmed with what was taking place. Yeah. Even though they were with Jesus. Um, so. so it, it drained. Drained their faith. It, it drained their faith, and it certainly didn't help out when they were sleeping when they should have been praying. Jesus yeah. told <laughs> Jesus told them, you know, which uh, so. Anyway. Anyways, <laughs> so in the latter ta- times, some shall depart from from the faith. Peter said that many shall follow their pernicious ways, talking about false teachers and false prophets. He said many shall follow their false teachings. Man. Um, so I, you know, that leads us to Ephesians chapter six is where we left off last week. So if you don't want to be, if you don't want to be one of those that are going to fall away, then number one, you got to make a decision that you're not going to fall away. Number two, but you have to have prayer life to back it up. And Patricia put in there, it's an everyday process. It's an everyday process. Yep. Amen. And then the men's home's tuning in too. Hello, men's home. Praise God. So, why should we pray? Why should we pray? Um, in Ephesians chapter 6, and this is going to be the only text that, that we're going to use from here on in, I, I managed to escape out of Genesis 1:26 because I, I could feel the tug to stay there and, and to teach out of that. But keep in mind, dominion over. Okay, not under, over. How do we do that? Well, in um, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18, out of the Living Bible, which is a, a paraphrase, last of all, I want to remind you, and this is why, going back to that question, well, how could the disciples do that? Let me remind you, it says, that your strength must come from the Lord's mighty power within you. Not willpower, not yesterday's power, not yesterday's prayer life or last month's prayer life. Your strength and my strength, it must come from the Lord who lives within you. Because we're simply not going to make it. This, this, is, this is not human tenacity. This is God's strength. And so God wants, he can and desires to empower you. Put on all of God's armor. So that lets us know. Remember last week we said this is the negative side of praying. Why should we pray? Notice that he is saying here, put on all of God's armor. So guess what? That means you and I are in a battle. We're in a fight. The Bible calls it the good fight of faith. Faith is the way that this battle is fought. It's not fought with real fists and weapons, fleshly weapons. It's a battle of faith. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand safe against all strategies and tricks 
of Satan. Uh, just a little while ago, we were talking at, at, at my house there about, about triggers and how there's certain triggers. Um, I, 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 think, um, I think one of the reasons why Jesus restored Peter the way he did was because that when, G, when Peter denied the Lord, he did it in, in, in uh, an open where there was a campfire. And when Jesus restored him, it was almost the same setting. Um, he had he had to dismantle that that potential stronghold out of his mind. Um, but the point that I want to bring out is that Satan is way way zillion times smarter than you and I all put together because he he um, I'm going to say it this way and I don't mean that we're not but because he is a supernatural being. He's evil but he's supernatural. He has a, a download of information about you and about me since the time you and I were in our mother's womb. Talking about knowing our triggers, he knows our great-great-grandfather, great-grandmothers, all the way down to Adam and Eve. He, he can store all that. He knows your genealogy, he knows your gene pool, he knows everything. He knows the, the words that were spoken against you. He knows all of that. And he what he does, he stores all that up and he'll use that against us. So all the strategies and tricks of Satan, for we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, okay? Now, it may seem like we're fighting against flesh and blood. It may seem like you're fighting against your brother, your sister, or the deacon at church, or, or the usher at church, or your neighbor, you know, somebody, or a co-worker at work. You, you might think that that person is your problem. No, it could be that Satan is using that person to attack you because Satan's most effective attack is not temptation. Let me say that again. His most effective attack against you is not when he tempts you. I can prove that to you. You remember Luke chapter 4? When Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, Jesus was tempted. How successful was Satan at that? Not at all. Not at all. Do you remember how that chapter ended? That chapter ends with Jesus preaching, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and, and, and he goes on to quote that. And then Jesus said, this day you will hear this proverb, and I'm paraphrasing out of memory, I might misquote it, but you can read it on your own. Uh, uh, phys physician, heal yourself. And the works that we've heard done over here, do, do here. And then he said, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country. So those people got so mad that the enemy actually used them and they physically got Jesus, physically, and took him with the intention of killing him. Now, I think that was a satanic attack. In other words, here's what I'm saying. The enemy is more successful against you and me when he uses people. When he uses people. And so could another another successful attack is not just temptation, temptation and using other people, but using doubt. 
make because that, that's what it seems to me that when he was going after Job, that he was trying to make him doubt God. Like God's not here for you. God's not here for you. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that for me, that's a lot of how I stumble mm-hmm. is doubting my faith, doubting my prayer life, doubting that this is going to work out, doubting that that's going to work out. And he, he just does those, those subtle twists mm-hmm. to make you doubt and to use other people to make you doubt. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a very good point. And that, that is spiritual warfare because that happens right here. And that right there exposes, I hope that you're listening to this, that exposes what we all go through. Because if you notice Satan's strategy, that's, that's what I love about the, about the Bible, is that you ever, you ever watch those football games, you know, like we have people at church, they, they like Green Bay and others like... Uh, like Daniel that's here in the room right now? Yeah. Yeah, and, here, Daniel. And, and uh, Green Bay. my son-in-law likes yeah. the Raiders and I like the Rams. And, well, your other son-in-law likes Green Bay. You have mother, yeah, Kevin. Yeah. Like, uh, you, have you ever seen how when these coaches talk, they're, they're talking with the thing over their mouth so you, yeah. can't, so you can't read their lips? Mm-hmm. Well, the Bible has all the strategies and the plays of Satan. He can't do anything to you that's not, that, that you can't already read about that he does. Satan's playbook, it doesn't matter because it's all, he's, the Bible is not only a revelation about God, it exposes Satan. And what Satan does, just like Ryan said a moment ago, is that he comes to try to get us to doubt. See, remember when he came against, if, if you have a Bible, if you have a, there's something stumbling you. Maybe it's on parenting. Maybe it's on finances. Go, I, whatever it is. Maybe it's some. Maybe it's some internal issues that you're going through. Go back to the beginning of the book to see where it first started. Okay. And so, since we're talking about that, let's go to Genesis chapter three, because that's that's where uh, this comes up at. Because remember, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We're not fighting people. We're fighting uh, demon spirits. Or we're wrestling against demon spirits. And so, if you... See, that, if you could do two things, and, and I said last week that these really... I use the word prayer because that's what we're talking about, but that's the understood subject is also the scriptures. Scripture, reading the word, praying, reading the word, praying, reading the word, praying, they go together. And so what that does, um, it, it, uh, it arms your, it prepares you because you know when you wake up tomorrow or before you pillow your head tonight, some doubt is going to come in your head. And if you haven't prepared, see, the thing, here's a, a key word for you and for me. Be prepared. Be pre- prepare yourself. And I know that that goes against um, our American Christianity because we're just too busy. We want everything right now. No, we need to slow down. We need to prepare ourselves because the enemy um, 
is gonna. So before you jump into that, mm-hmm. I got an analogy with with uh, you said earlier about putting on the armor of God. So mo- some people don't know what the armor of God is. So what are the components of the armor of God? Well, we're going to be getting there in a moment. Okay. Because okay, it, then, and then when we get there, I'll explain my analogy then. Okay. We were getting there. Okay. All right, because that's that's in that text, Ephesians yeah. chapter 6, verses 10, 10 through 18. But let's go back, because this is saying here, the reason why we need the armor is because we're on Satan's territory. We are citizens of another kingdom, and God wants to bring his rulership of his kingdom here on earth, in your family, in your job, in our community. He wants to bring his kingdom in the midst of a hostile environment. But your enemy and my enemy has been very successful in causing insurrections and rebellions and getting you know people to 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 leave God. After you know the angels one third of them fell, Adam and Eve fell, one of Ju- Jesus's disciples fell. I mean part of Jesus's own uh uh staff Satan it said then Satan entered into him. So Satan's pretty, he's very, very smart, very crafty. Genesis chapter three, verse one. Now the serpent, and this is going to be synonymous with why, with Satan, um, how, why the enemy picked the serpent. The serpent was more subtle, subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, yes, And he asked her a question to try to get her to doubt what God says. See? He said, has God said you should not eat of every tree of the garden? What's he trying to do? He's trying to get her to doubt what God says. So that lets us know then that the answer for, for doubt is that you and I have to prepare and we have to know what the word says. Because if once you have that knowledge of the word and you meditate on, on that and get that in your spirit, Satan can try to get you doubt all you want doubt all you want to. It ain't gonna work. Because you know the scriptures. So I think maybe sometimes we're, we're we might be underprepared or underestimate our enemy. So Yes, doubt is one is one of Satan's main enemies, and he gets us to question. He even he even did it to Jesus. Yep. He said, "If if you're the Son of God." Yep. Talking about some nerve, he's telling, trying to get Jesus to doubt who he is. Now he didn't get Jesus to doubt who he is. My question: Does he get you to doubt who you are? Does he get me to doubt who I who I am? He got the children of Israel to doubt who they were when they the spies were sent. Remember that over there in uh, Numbers chapter 13, 14, somewhere in there. They went to go spy out the promised land. And when they saw the promised land, they fell in love with it. But then they saw the giants. And then they said, man, we're just like little old grasshoppers. How are we going to whip these things? You see, they doubted themselves. They didn't know who they represented. They didn't know who they were. And so if you and I are going to claim and live out our dream in God, because God wants to give you the desires of your heart, you're going to have to know, I'm going to have to know 
who, who you are, who I am in Christ. For we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against persons without bodies, the evil rulers of the unseen world. The evil rulers of the unseen world. Those mighty satanic beings and great evil princesses of darkness who rule this world. So that's telling us who's behind all this stuff. We just had, you know, uh, that bombing over there in uh, uh, Saudi Arabia. That lets us know who was behind it. It may have been whatever nation it was, uh, but who was behind it. All the bad news that you see, the one behind it all is, is really Satan. So it says those mighty satanic beings and great evil princes of darkness who rule this world and against and listen to this against huge numbers of wicked spirits in the spirit world huge numbers probably you can't even number them there's so many don't don't be concerned about that because the bible says that there's more on your side than are with them but again that don't matter if we don't have have a prayer life so anyway let's let's wrap let me finish reading this so use, listen to this, Ryan was just asking about the pieces of armor. So use every piece of God's armor to resist the enemy whenever he attacks. You know, I, I wasn't in, in the military, but I know just from seeing, you know, talking to people that, and, you know, and watching movies and stuff, man, they, they, make, they make you know that gun inside and out. You, know, you take it apart, keep it clean. You got to know your weapon. They, they train you. And you know what? We need to be trained as well because we're in a, uh, a battle as well. We need to know our weapons. I wonder if you could name, Ryan just asked a moment ago, about the, the different pieces of God's armor. Do you know what they are? Have you studied them? Have, have, have you polished them? Do you, have you taken them apart, put them back together? That's what we have to do. We're going to have to put our focus on, on um, the armor that we have. So use every piece of God's armor to resist the enemy whenever he attacks. When it's over, you'll still be standing up. But to do this, you would need to be, you, it says you will, you will need, uh, you, yeah, push the wrong button. You will need, so use every piece of God's armor to resist the enemy whenever he attacks. When it's all over, you will still be standing up. But to do this, you will need the strong belt of truth, the breastplate of God's righteousness, the preparation of the shoes of the gospel of peace. And then it says, in every battle, you will need faith as your shield to stop the fiery arrows aimed at you by Satan. See, right now, just to give you an analogy, Satan is, he has his henchmen, they're, they're putting their, their little arsenal together to shoot at you and to shoot at me, maybe tonight, but for sure tomorrow. They're prepping up. Well, and that could be those little, those little things from coworkers. Like mm-hmm. those little insults, those little digs, those little comments that you think that that person is being mean to you. That's that's a dart. That's an arrow. Yeah. That's a fiery arrow. And, and if you don't have 
that breastplate on, you don't have that shield up, and you don't have your weapons on, it's going to pierce. And that's what it does, is it pierces right through your skin and hits directly to your heart. Yeah. And so we need to be aware what what really is going on. Somebody might say, well, I'm having a bad day. Are you really having a bad day? Why are you having a bad day? You're having a bad day because these arrows, they're aimed at you. And that's what gives us a bad day. And what makes it even a worse day if we weren't prepared. Then it's really a bad day because that we got no armor. And these arrows, they're, they're not hitting. See, these arrows aren't designed to hit your heart. They're designed to hit the shield. And it takes, it takes, it takes practice and it, it takes, I mean, we don't, we don't get this overnight, but we're saying all of this has to do with our prayer life. And, and there's two more pieces in that that we didn't get to yet. Yep. Uh, faith as your shield. Uh, it says to stop the fire arrows aimed at you by Satan and you will need then the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So you, did you have a... Yeah, so this is what I, what I was talking... What I was... The analogy that I saw is when... When Christ went into the desert and got tempted, that Christ uses the helmet of salvation. Your salvation is what keeps those doubts. That's why they go after your, your head. That's why they go out of your head. Is the, the salvation of your, your faith is covering you and and so when when satan's trying to whisper into your ear it's hitting that helmet and it's not getting in because that's your salvation yeah and then what did jesus fight the devil with when he went and tempted him the word he if jesus is using the word to defeat satan when he's coming after him what do you think we should be using it's that sword of the spirit it's the word amen that's exactly that's exactly it the helmet of salvation, our thought life. So I, I think, and we're, we're gonna we're gonna um, wrap this up. But I think this is a call to arms. Ephesians chapter six tells you what this armor is. I want to encourage you to go read that, spend time in that, read it a lot. Over and 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 over till it gets in your heart. And then through the day, no, start meditating on it, start practicing it. Again, this is the negative side of prayer. This is, this is, be, why should we pray? Because we're on enemy territory and he has a plan to steal, kill, and to destroy. And if you and I are going to be victorious over him, if we're going to have walk in the dominion over him that we talked about in the, be- in the beginning, we're going to have to win the victory in prayer. Prayer is a non-negotiable thing. You, you and I cannot expect to be victorious without a prayer life. Now, I know that some, some, some people may not understand that and think, you know, well, no. We need a prayer life. And your version of Christianity may not be God's version of Christianity because maybe your version is, man, I, I get beat up. 
by the time Friday comes, I'm, I'm so tired, I'm so worn out because of all the stuff that's happened, whatever. Keep in mind, God has designed this Christian walk that we would enjoy life. See, that makes the enemy mad. When he's over there trying to attack you and you're just, you got the joy of the Lord, you're loving people, you're winning the loss, you're praying for the sake, you're not even paying any attention to him because you've got that armor on. See, that's another thing Satan wants to do. He wants us to get our eyes off of life. Have you ever talked to somebody and said, man, and, and all they talk about is spiritual warfare. All they talk about, man, I'm under attack. Man, Satan's after me. You know, instead of having our eyes on Jesus, we've got our eyes on the attacks. We've got our eyes on Satan. Don't give him time of day. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. And the Bible says he will flee from you. So we're going to continue with this. And we're going to um, next week talk about some more hands-on from the positive side. How can we develop a prayer life? We already know why. Because we're living in the last days. And also, prayer is, is the best way to prepare yourself to walk with God. Prayer and the Word is the best way to prepare yourself to love people, to be a good husband, to be a good wife, to be an obedient child, and to be a good soldier. If you take prayer out of the mixture, it's over. You're simply, and if you do make it, you're, you're not going to enjoy it. You're going to have a bad day. You're going to have a bad week because you're in a war and you got no armor on, no clothes on. Can you imagine that? So, yeah, that ain't good. So, anyways, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up here. We're gonna uh, conclude in in a word of prayer. So let's do that. Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name. We thank you for your mighty Holy Spirit. And I ask God that you release prayer across these waves right now in, into uh, those that are hearing this. Give them, Lord, a desire, God, to pray. Give them a hunger for the word. Give them a desire, God, to begin to walk in authority, to begin to walk in dominion, to live a victorious life. Lord, give them your view of them, of who they are, so that they can know that they are loved, so that they can know that greater is he that is in them than he that is in the world. So Father, we pray blessing upon every mom, every dad, every child, boy and girl, God, uh, listening to this broadcast, this program right now, Father. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. and amen. Praise God. So Ryan's going to tell us right now about how you can follow us and the different formats that you can connect with us. Yeah, just uh, catch us up on uh, iTunes or Spotify or anywhere where you get your podcast. Uh, I will be downloading this segment as soon as it gets done. Um, you can follow us on any of those platforms. Take us with you wherever you go, in the gym, in the car, anywhere, anywhere. So we will catch you later and see you next time. God bless you.